Hello and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer-engineer, and I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the College of Media and the originator of Tops 10. Today I have with me probably one of our most special guests ever, a West Texas and Texas Tech legend, Dr. William F. Bill Dean. Bill is known as Dr. Texas Tech and was just honored with an award for 50 years of service for Texas Tech. Now, Bill, 50 years ago, what was your first job at Tech? I was director of student publications in charge of the newspaper and the yearbook and taught journalism. That, that's pretty good for a first job. Yes. I mean, I, mean, I, I, was, I, I, you know, sometimes I was, was looking at this, I'm saying, he didn't list it when he was a busboy at, the, <laughs> <laughs> at the, the, the mess hall or something like that. Well, I had, uh, I had taught journalism at, at, in high school and directed high school newspapers and yearbooks. And we had, I'd always brought my students to, to the tech workshops. And so I'd gotten to know all the people out here, and I had, uh, and they had used me in some of their seminars and things like that. And I'm, I'm sure that uh, helped in terms of when uh, Phil Arman, who who preceded me in that job, left, and they were looking for a replacement. And then uh, Wally Garretts, who was uh, then the, the department chair of, the, of journalism, uh, called me and brought me in and asked me if I'd be interested in the job. And and the rest is history. Now, you were honored along with, I believe, four other faculty who had been here a, a total of, of 50 years. It struck me that today that's really a monumental achievement. Our students, you know, nowadays jobs change very quickly. Sure. People, people change institutions. I, I grew up at a time where, yes, my father worked for one university most of his career. You know, companies like IBM were famous for, you know, you were a career man at IBM or Xerox. Now it's much more variable. Do you feel that it's given you a special perspective for students, especially that you have been here all this time and seen the immense changes? You're thinking from 1962 to 2015. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Freda McVeigh, a former faculty member here, was doing a history uh, of the department and we had a long interview and she asked me to uh, some recollections so I went back and looked at the textbooks and I had kept them at all the textbooks that I had used in introduction to mass communications back then and look through some of the material, and it's just unbelievable, you know, the changes. The Pony Express was still listed as a... <laughs> we, weren't using, we weren't using big chief tablets, but it was close. Uh, you I've know. teased you, Bill. I've said, you know, what was Davy Crockett like as a student? You know, did you do well, well in your class? We used uh, chalkboards, and we then graduated to uh, slides and overheads and then finally PowerPoint and now a lot of other technological things. And But the concepts have changed a lot too. You know, the things we used to teach yeah. are no longer uh, in vogue. Technology obviously has had a huge impact on that. And, and I remember I was talking to one of our former faculty. And I should say, by the way, just a little bit more about Bill, that you know, he's held a lot of posts at, tech, at Texas Tech. Right now, he's executive vice president and CEO of the Texas Tech Alumni Association. And he's also an associate professor teaching advertising and teaching other courses here in our college. When you see 
what's changed in like the some of our intro classes where we're like in one of your classes you give a sort of survey of the field of mass communication can you remember what would have been a, a, a point you would have made in 1962 that might have changed a lot to today? Well, uh, you know, reporters used typewriters then. Yeah. And uh, it, the technology in the 50s had changed from they were moving out of letterpress printing into offset printing. So we used to explain to students how letterpress printing operated and how it worked and uh, and the changes and the advantages of offset. And of course, as offset came on, uh, you, you'd type your story and give it to a typesetter. And the typesetter would set it into type. Well, of course, the technology eliminated the typesetter. And, and, and none of those things have any meaning to our students <laughs> no, today. The, no, no, I wouldn't even try to explain that today. I remember I, I taught when I was at uh, another university a very similar course to yours, uh, Intro to Mass Media. And, you know, I. I, I just got into the era where I would talk about the music industry and I had the very first time an 18 year old student I had to stop and explain what those big black CDs were that her grandfather used you know <laughs> that, uh, that but but they're having somewhat of a, a comeback right now Bill where did you grow up I grew up here I, I graduated from Lubbock High School I got a baseball scholarship and a journalism scholarship to attend Texas Tech. And now, you're a baseball guy because I've gone to baseball games, and you have your uh, your seat up there. Now, has that been your seat for when, a long time? When they, when they built that stadium in the 80s, I went over, and there wasn't a big demand, of course, for season tickets then. And uh, I picked out those two seats right behind home plate in that section, and I've been there ever since. Have you ever caught a foul ball? No, because... Usually those foul balls go back behind me. Is, this, I don't know is that why. the last achievement I, you're I, looking for? I really don't know why anybody would want to catch a fly ball, I mean, without a glove. <laughs> those things hurt, especially the line drives. Well, it seems to be a lot of fan scramble for oh, them. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they kill anyway. each other. Yeah. And, and, and we've got that net there. Now, do they always have that net? Because I'm just thinking there, there used to be – there was a famous story. I grew up in Philadelphia mostly, and I paid attention to the Phillies. There was an announcer but who used to be a player named Richie Ashburn. Oh, yeah. And he was famous because he hit a foul ball in the before net era, which knocked a fan out. And then as the fan was being carried off on a stretcher, the game started again. He hit another foul ball and hit her again. Oh my gosh! <laughs> now you can't get that accuracy. No, you're <laughs> in most non-shooting sports. The so. screen was uh, initially shorter, but and then th those balls would fly back up into the upper section, and so they moved the screen up higher to keep that from happening. Yeah. People can get hurt. Yeah. Now, Bill, you have won, I think, probably pretty much almost any every and any award that uh, Texas uh, Tech has. I, I, I was really impressed, and we'll talk about this some more. That when I came here, that you have four or five jobs as far as I can figure <laughs> out. Because not only do you have your full-time alumni job, and of course you work for us, but you know you at the drop of the hat, the president or the chancellor, or the provost, Bill, we need you to be in Austin to help meet with some alumni and a or group we're putting together here. So you're you're like a emergency room doctor and a farm pharmacist i mean you, you just have you, you hold like four or five different things that you do for tech at a moment's notice well that's part of the job of being an alumni director is yeah. being on call for things like that and and i enjoy it i you know i as a, 
I was 11 years director of student publications, and then I took the job with the Alumni Association, but I said, I, I want to continue teaching. So they allowed me to do that. And uh, being alumni director over these years is a, has really been a special opportunity because the university has grown so much since those days. And you, you just see, uh, maybe you play a small part in the in the growth of, of Texas Tech, and it's really special. I, I noticed one of the things that this is leading into the first group of songs. You you grouped your songs thematically, and and that's great. Some people do it different different ways, but you, your first group are under the category gospel. And I notice here that you're on the board of the All Greek Bible Study and Omicron Delta Kappa. Kappa. Now that's Greek is in fraternity, not as like you're reading the Bible in the original Greek, right? <laughs> Because that, that would be good if we could do this uh, uh, interview in Greek, you know, <laughs> yeah, ancient Greek. I, I'm afraid I'd flunk. <laughs> uh, Omicron Delta Kappa is a yeah. national leadership organization. I love gospel, Southern gospel music. And those two songs that I, that I selected, Because He Lives by Bill Gaither, and uh, who wrote that song, and I know Who Holds Tomorrow by Alison Krauss, who probably is the best known for singing that song, they kind of express my beliefs. Now, a lot of people we interview here say that they grew up and their first real in-depth exposure to music was church music, either in the home, and I have to remind our students that once upon a time, and maybe you remember this, that families would gather together in the living room and play a piano Mm -hmm. or sing or do things together, which is not as common today (laughs) with everybody on their separate iPad. Were your family church-going, musical, yes. choir? Well, they weren't very musical. None of us could sing very well, but but we certainly in, enjoyed uh, those gospel songs. And uh, I think, of course, we're in the Bible Belt, and so it's kind of traditional that kids would grow up doing that kind of thing. Did you sing it at all in church or no. just along with the, no, I'm the, a horrible, the parishioners? I'm a horrible singer. <laughs> I was hoping to get you to – have you ever done the national anthem for the baseball no, game? No, no. I was uh, in uh, Greek sing-song when I was in my fraternity, and uh, the choir director, would uh, we'd be singing, and he'd walk around, and he called me over after it was over with, and he said, you just move your lips. <laughs> well, God would still hear it, though, well, right? that's it's, right. It's what you're thinking that that's counts. Right. That's right. That's right. So your first song is Bill Gaither, Because He Lives. Tell us about the first time maybe you heard that song and what it means to you. Well, uh, the, the Gaither, uh, Bill Gaither is a producer, and he has put together uh, a group of uh, a great country and, and uh, gospel singers, and they've toured the country. They've been here eight or ten times. I guess that's probably where I first heard the song. He has a, a television program uh, once a week and has a radio program every day. And uh, uh, he's, he's probably been responsible for the growth of gospel music more so than any one single individual. But he wrote this song back, I think, in the 70s, perhaps. And uh, it, just, it just reflects my beliefs. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. How sweet to hold newborn baby and And the joy that he gives Oh, but greater still The calm assurance We can face 
certain days because he lives and because he lives I can song is I Know Who Holds Tomorrow by Alison Krauss, very, very famous uh, uh, singer. Now, have you, have you, met, have you you've met Bill Gaither? I have only been introduced to him, but yeah. I've not really, you know, yeah. they've been here uh, probably eight or ten times with uh, their homecoming presentations. But and no, I've never met Alison Krauss. Yeah. I Know Who Holds Tomorrow. Well, I Know Who Holds Tomorrow, again, expresses my beliefs it, that... Uh, our, our, you know, Jesus Christ holds tomorrow for for Christians, and uh, if we just uh, don't worry about tomorrow and concentrate on today, tomorrow will take care of itself. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't.
the situation where and let's take mass communication where there's alternative theories of something you know there's different explanations we as teachers you know I've always felt and I know you feel this way it's not our job to tell students you must believe what I believe correct just like you know in America Amer- we have religious freedom in America if, if you don't like what the pastor's saying in the church then certainly in Lubbock there's 150 other churches you go, you can somewhere go to else right that fits your your beliefs how do you get across to students that it is perfectly okay to respect somebody else's beliefs, but that doesn't mean that you have to believe what somebody else believes? Well, I, this comes up quite a bit, and my, my approach is, look, you know, uh, we live in America. We live under the First Amendment. The First Amendment gives us freedom of speech and press and religion, and that means that we have to tolerate things we don't agree with. That, that we make better decisions, however, when we listen to a multitude of voices as opposed to one's narrow, you know, uh, never-ending voice. And uh, I, the price that you pay to live in a free society is you have to be tolerant of other people and their philosophies and their beliefs and, uh, you know, even uh, somewhat radical at times. And uh, we're faced with that a lot today. And, and when we get into some controversial subjects, I usually just say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain the criticism and I'm going to explain the response. And you have to decide what you, what you think is right or wrong. I mean, I'm not here to tell you this is right or this is wrong. This is the way, this is what this side says, this is what this side says. In your time here, have, have you seen, what would you say are, are sort of the main challenges of students themselves? Because I have heard all over the country that this generation of students, and, and I really have come to believe this, that this is one of the toughest transitions ever from high school to, to college. And I know we can get into stereotypes of like, you know, helicopter pampering and sort of pampered snowflakes and things like that. And more, more, many, many students are much more resilient than the stereotype. But the fact is, it's a very tough transition. When I, when I first started teaching some 15 years ago, you know, I remember... I gave an exam back, and a, a, a student came up in tears, and she told me that you know she'd never gotten any grade below an A ever in her high school career, and I, I believe that she probably was a really bright student and went to a pretty good high school and just did the, and did the work. But I was asking her to do college level work, and she wasn't completely ready for that. And that first semester was part of, part of that. Have you seen sort of an evolution of what the transition is from high school to college? Yes, I, I, and I agree with you. Uh, students say things and ask for things today that 20 years ago they wouldn't dreamed of doing. Uh, like uh, I give an exam and a kid says, uh, I missed the exam, when is the makeup? Well, there ain't no makeup if you, unless, unless you have a pretty good reason for missing. Uh, it, it, the, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to criticize 
the high schools or public education, they have their, uh, you know, problems and, and crosses to bear as well. But I, there is a, it's a big transition. I think it's a tougher transition today than it was 20, 30 years ago. Your next uh, series of songs are what you call the golden days. Bill, you're in your golden days now, right? <laughs> well, the Were golden there... days of music. Oh, good. <laughs> Uh, I love the uh, the pop singers of the 40s and 50s. Uh, I have down there the Andrews Sisters. That's just one song that they sang. But the Andrews Sisters were a uh, they they were entertainers. And, and I think in the 40s during the war, they helped keep the spirits of this country alive. And this was the golden age of radio, of course, because television comes in 1949, but all through the 30s and 40s, the Depression and World War II, people had print, obviously newspapers, magazines, but the place they got the news and and entertainment a lot was sitting around listening to the radio, whether it was a GI in Saipan or their mother back in a farm in in West Texas. Yeah, I think people like the Andrews sisters and Bing Crosby, they kind of held the country together during some very, very difficult times and kept our spirits up. And there was some great music. And, And of course, Joe Stafford uh, was kind of the, uh, she was probably the most popular female vocalist of the late 40s and, and through the mid-50s, I think. And as I say, that's just one of their many recordings that I picked out. Uh, I, I particularly liked it. I'll be did with you. Did you ever meet them? No, I never did. <laughs> I was uh, I was just a kid. Uh, I'll be with you in Apple Blossom time, which just, just kind of struck me as a, as a, as a real favorite.
Now, your next song is by Joe Stafford, You Belong to Me, and, and, and I have met your, your wife, and I'm glad to see both of us married up in life, right? <laughs> I think the smartest so. thing a man can I do. I think so. <laughs> and uh, how long have you been together? We've been together for 47 years. So almost uh, we're approaching, there. Yeah, we're yeah. approaching 50. How did you meet? I coached her son in baseball. Her son. I coached her brother, her little brother, on my... Uh, She'll co- like that about co- coaching her son. Yeah, our coat league baseball team. <laughs> And uh, he invited me over to their house for ice cream one night after a, a, a ball game. And, you know, that's, setup? that's how it got started. This was a setup, wasn't I it? I guess yeah, so. Yeah. He said, my, my sister makes really good ice cream. Well, in West Texas at that time with new air conditioning, probably that was like that a, was good. a great thing to... That was good. <laughs> well, Joe Stafford was, uh, I think, one of the, the most popular female vocalists of that period. And that was her signature song. You know, regardless of where you are or what you're doing, remember, you belong to me. See the pyramids along the Nile. Watch the sunrise on a tropic isle. Just remember, darling, all the while. You. Now, your next song, now another very, very famous group to anybody who's uh, knowledgeable about music of the 30s and 40s, the McGuire Sisters. Good night, sweetheart, good night. That was my favorite song when I was in high school. McGuire Sisters, I think, kind of replaced the Andrews Sisters as uh, the the female uh, group of the 50s. And as I recall, they got their start on the Arthur Godfrey talent show, and but they became huge. And that was a radio show, which then made the made, transition yeah. to television. A lot of, and I know you've t- taught this in your class. I've seen it that that a lot of the content of the early days of television were radio shows that were ported to becoming television shows, like The Lone Ranger sure. and the and, Gun, and Gun Smoke. Yeah, yeah. Well, the McGuire sisters uh, had a string of hits a mile long, but this was a. Uh, this was a song that uh, we sang when I was in high school, and uh, it, it was a very popular song, and it just kind of stuck with me. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say. Sweetheart, good night Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time to go Good night, sweetheart, well, it's time 
time to go I hate to leave you but I really must say Good night, sweetheart, good night Well, it's three o'clock in the morning Baby, I just can't treat you right Oh, I hate to leave you, baby Don't mean maybe Because I love you so Good night, sweetheart Well, it's time to go Sweetheart, well, it's time to go I hate to leave you, but I really must say Good night, sweetheart, good night Your next song is a little bit different, although seemingly that time of the golden days, as you put it. Eddie Fisher, the famous Eddie Fisher, married at one point to... Uh, Probably the one of the most famous actresses of, of all time, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, I think that uh, that spiraled his career downward. <laughs> that marriage didn't work very well. Well, you know, there's the famous story. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor went off to work on a film called Cleopatra, mm-hmm. with her leading man Richard being Richard Burton. Richard Burton. And there's a really good story that they started having a pretty torrid affair, and the film was being made in Italy for a long time. It was one of those just big epics that just took forever to Mm -hmm. film. And the Italian press started reporting these stories of like, you know, Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor scenes somewhere, you know. One of the Mankiewiczes, I think it was Joe Joe Mankiewicz, who was the writer and director of it, uh, was getting frustrated because it was taking attention away from the movie being made. So he held a press conference and he announced the Italian press that Elizabeth Taylor is not having an affair with Richard Burton. I'm having an affair with Richard Burton. <laughs> and the Italian press just dutifully printed it, you know. So Eddie Fisher had a, a little bit of a respite there for a minute. But uh, He was a great singer. He was yeah. a great pop singer and had a lot, of, a lot of hits. But that one, Anytime, was a uh, very popular. Again, that was a high school song for me. And uh, it just kind of stuck. Now, Eddie Arnold recorded that song on the countryside. But I think Eddie Fisher did the best job of it. Now, how did you physically listen to music? Was there was a radio in your home when you were in high school and college? Yeah, that we had uh, we had several radios in our in our home before television. Was there any debate about who controlled it? At, at well, I had time, a, I had a radio in my room. Huh. So was that a, a rare privilege, or did, did most? I think most kids, kids had, had it, yeah. you know had a small radio set in their room. Did your parents uh, express any concern about I me? Mean, right now, we, looking back, we tell like Apple Blossom time. That's okay. If my daughters listened to that, that wouldn't be a problem with me. But were your parents at all concerned about any your musical taste? Not or? with these songs. Yeah. Now, my my parents did not necessarily approve of rock and roll and Elvis Presley and things of that nature. You know, I went to school with Buddy Holly. Uh, he was a year ahead of me at Lubbock High School, and of course he. He uh, became famous, and probably more f- famous after his death than before. But my uh, my parents took a dim view of this rock and roll stuff, you know. But uh, did they, he play? At, and I've never heard the story of, of him in high school. Was this before he started composing, or did he have? He started in high school. Yeah. So you heard some songs by yes. him? Oh, did, yes. Did, we, did, he would he he would perform at every talent assembly we ever had at Lubbock High School. Did, when you saw him, but did you say like this is this is a marvelously talented person, or he was just another kid? He was just an, well, 
he he was a really nice person, really likable, and uh, but he loved his music. And you know, at first he did country music before he he did this this his own style of music. And uh, you know, we thought he was talented, but I don't think anyone ever figured he was going to be you know, the the icon that he became. Did you get to know him at all, or he was just another Yeah, I knew him. I know, we weren't close friends, but uh, uh, we'd go to, you know, I'd go to parties that he was there. And so, like I say, he was a little shy, but a very nice guy. I mean, just everybody liked him. So he wasn't a rock star? No. <laughs> in personality? No. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. You don't have any songs by him on your list, did you not... Uh well, just, I, I mean, you, I you loved, like his music. I love his music. I just, yeah. you know, you had to put down ten songs, yeah, and these yeah. are my ten favorites. Yeah, Lubbock has produced a lot of uh, great talent. He stayed in Lubbock, but a lot of other Lubbock talent has gone elsewhere and then become famous. But we're a very musical town. Very much so. Mac Davis was from here. Uh, Waylon Jennings, a country star, was over at uh, Littlefield. Joe Ely. There's been a lot of. Uh, there's been a lot of talent come out of here. Did you ever see Eddie Fisher perform? Not live. I just watched him on television. Your next group of songs are country and western, and we've got Ernest Tubb, Waltz Across Texas. Well, I love the song. Now, Ernest Tubb, uh, in my opinion, was not the greatest singer in the world, but he recorded, he's the originator of this, I mean, he originally recorded this song. It's been recorded by many artists. Waltz Across Texas is a very popular dance song, I think, that played in nightclubs and and uh you know i know when we went down to the lubbock club before it closed and and they'd have entertained waltz across texas would always be played it's just a a real good dance song and i've i've always enjoyed it and and i listed ernest tubb because he started it but he had a kind of a whiny old-time country voice you know bill you know you've been the texas tech for 50 years have you ever been tempted by the fruit of another for another state? I mean, or another college or university? And what what made you stay here? I love Lubbock and I love the the people here and the environment. Uh, I've had some you know opportunities to go elsewhere, but but chose not to consider them. Can you tell us maybe some stories that have sort of confirmed your love of Lubbock? Some 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 good things people have done where you said, "Boy, I, I am really glad to be here." Well, in 1970, we had an F5 tornado that bounced across this campus and wiped out everything east of here. And, uh, you know, just just devastating. And uh, 
the citizens of Lubbock pulled together, passed a bond election, built a memorial civic center. You know, it's just, it's a can-do type atmosphere that we've had over the years here that have, uh, you know, the citizens obviously did a pretty good job here when they secured Texas Tech because there were many other cities across West Texas that wanted this university. And uh, I, I just think there's always been just kind of a can-do type attitude in Lubbock that makes you proud to be from Lubbock. And, and when there's a, a calamity or a tragedy or a problem, people step up. The volunteer rate, I've read, is extremely high here of people who put in extra time, whether it's, you know, CASA or their church or the animal shelter. Um, I've heard this is, this is just an extraordinarily time place for people giving extra of themselves. You know, I think that, uh, like I say, I think there's just a spirit here of, of cooperation and volunteerism and uh, can-do attitudes that uh, have made this a great place to live. When we dance together, my world's in disguise. It's a fairyland tale that's come true. And when you look at me with those stars in your eyes, I could waltz across Texas with you. Waltz across Texas with you in my arms. Waltz across Texas with you. Like a storybook ending, I'm lost in your charms. And I could waltz across Texas with you. Your next one is a gentleman, not this particular song, but a gentleman I've heard many times before on this uh, show, George Strait, the king of, oh, of country music. That's just one of many songs. It's just one I happen to like. But uh, George Strait is just a remarkable artist. He's just had hit after hit after hit in country music. And uh, he he's just real, I've kind of... He and, and Alan Jackson are my two favorite old-time country, uh, and he's not that old, but, you know, of the older uh, element in country music, those are my two favorites. I don't want to be the kind to hesitate Be too shy, way too late I don't care what they say other lovers do I just want to dance with you that you have a heart like mine So let it show, let it shine If we have a chance to make one heart or two And I just want to dance with you I did. I ain't that true. You won't get embarrassed by the things I do. I just want to dance with you. I want to dance with you. 
are playing softly and the girls are too So am I and so are you If this was a movie we'd be right on cue And I just wanna dance with you In the different things that you've done in your career, what, what do you think are some of the, the challenges that uh, tech has faced in the past and sort of overcome? Because you've, sort of, you've seen it, this remarkable transition from really a small local university to what we are now, a, an internationally famous, you know, a very aspirational growing. As you've pointed out, I really, and I, I tell this to people all over the country, I have never been anywhere where there is a more positive, and you've used the word can do, there really is almost like a rancher attitude of like when when the fence is broken, I'm going to go get my tools and I'm going to fix the fence. I'm not going to like complain and whine. Or that, let the government you know, do yeah, it. Somebody's <clears throat> got to do it, right? Well, I think the biggest challenges, of course, that we've faced is we're isolated. We're not along the I-35 corridor. And that, you know, we've kind of overcome that challenge. I think the, the philosophy is if we can get students and their parents to come visit the campus, then we're going to win the battle. But if they listen to the stereotypical image that some people have of, of Texas Tech, you know, that we're, that students ride horses to class and we're holding on to the trees to keep from being blown away, you know, uh, that's the biggest problem. The distance that students have to come to get here yeah. and the the stereotype image that that uh, that people have of this of this area of the state we I think we've done a pretty good job in the last two decades of breaking that down but that is that that's a problem and of course financially uh, the University of Texas and Texas A&M share in the permanent university fund which is uh, royalties from oil fields in West Texas that was designated by the legislature in the 18 60s and 1870s gives them a huge advantage in terms of funding. Uh, and I think there have been efforts, of course, the, uh, to provide for the other schools since then, but it's not anything like the Permanent University yeah, Fund. Yeah. And that's something we've had to overcome. And the next song you mentioned, Alan Jackson, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? 
That's the 9-11 song, and I think it expresses very well the feelings of most Americans when that when that happened. It's just uh, it's something that uh, obviously changed the world and uh, changed our country. But I think the emotions that people felt, I think he's done an excellent job of, of expressing in that song the emotions that many Americans felt across the country when, when 9-11 took place. To me, it's a special song. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on some stage in L.A.? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of that black smoke rising against that blue sky? Did you shout out in anger and fear for your sit down and cry Did you weep for the children who lost their dear loved ones pray for the ones who don't know Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sobbed for the ones left below Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Teaching a class full of innocent children Or driving down some cold interstate Did you feel guilty cause you're a survivor? In a crowded room did you feel alone? Did you call up your mother and tell her you loved her? Did you dust off that Bible at home? Did you open your eyes and hope it never happened? Close your eyes and not go to sleep? Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages and speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night and think of tomorrow? Go out and buy you a gun? Did you turn off that violent old movie you're watching? Turn on I Love Lucy reruns Did you go to a church and hold hands with some strangers Stand in line and give your own blood Did you just stay home and cling tight to your family Thank God you had somebody to love I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But 
But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope, and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love I'm just a singer of simple songs I'm not a real political man I watch CNN but I'm not sure I can tell you The difference in our rock and our red But I know Jesus and I talk to God And I remember this from when I was young Faith, hope and love are some good things He gave us And the greatest is love And the greatest is love the greatest is love Where were you when the world stopped turning On that September day Now your final song, and this is no surprise In fact, I, I said, I, I know this song's going to be on this top ten Take Me Out to the Ball Game the signature song of every baseball game ever played in the United States, the all-American game, baseball. I, I love baseball for a lot of reasons. I don't get to go to as many games as I, I, I wish, but one of them is that you can sort of sit there and think, and there's a lot of analysis and discussion. It doesn't hurdle too fast. People don't get killed and <laughs> too much, you know. If a fight breaks out, it's a surprise, you know, rather than yeah. you know the joke about I went yeah. to a fight at a hockey game and <laughs> broke out. Uh, what do you love about baseball? Well, I played baseball in high school and college. What position did you play? I was a right fielder and first baseman. And then uh, I coached baseball in the summertime for 38 years. Uh, what we called in Lubbock Coat League Baseball, which is 15 and 16-year-old players. And then when my kids went, you know, I went through the little league pony league stage with with them but it it uh, it's a challenging game it's a you have to think you, you know it's not just i'm going to hit somebody you got to think what you're doing um i just love it it's it's uh it's been part of my life it's how i met my wife uh i've made so many friends and established so many relationships when you coach kids for 38 years uh, you you get you know you you develop a special relationship with them and their parents, and that's still uh, I'll go someplace today and some guy that's maybe 50 years old will say hi coach you know they, it just sticks and uh, and I, and I think baseball is I like all sports you know and obviously I, I I support tech football and tech basketball but baseball is my sport absolutely. Take me out to the ball game. I don't care if I never get back. <laughs> we have to translate part. Peanuts, I think, are our kids today understand. Cracker Jack, I, th I, I remember Cracker Jack. I don't think, I don't think it, they sell that much of it anymore. No, but, I don't uh, see too many Cracker Jacks. I guess they still have it. Bill, let me ask you about that. Maybe we can we can end on this because you're you're known as a person of character and integrity, and and I think you know among your. 500 accomplishments for West Texas and Texas Tech and, and students and Alumni Association. You're, 
being known as somebody who's a decent human being, treats people decently and fairly, and is always, you know, puts ethics as as job one, I, I think is well, a thank, tri- tribute to thank you. you. You know, we used to talk about sports and, and also college itself is building character. And now, as you probably know, you know, intramural sports have, it seems every day there's some big scandal somewhere, you know, whether it's North Carolina or Michigan or something like that. And uh, the character building part is, let's, let's say, under heavy challenge. <laughs> I, I still think college should build character, too. You know, that we, we need to build resilient students who can weather the whatever comes, whether, you know, we don't know what's coming. We, we might have an economic boom for 30 years, and we might have a world war and, and a depression. We don't know, but we've got to get our kids, besides job skills, what can we and should, what have we done in the past, and what can we do better, whether it's sports or college, on how we can build character. Well, I think Texas Tech is a pretty good example of that, a program that they've started over in the athletics department. It's called uh, well, the Marsha Sharp Leadership Academy. And what they try to do in that program, I think they've got the right idea, is they take these athletes and teach them some life skills, how to buy a suit of clothes, how to dress properly, how to tie a tie, how to, how to sit down at a formal meal and conduct yourself how to interview, how to write a resume, uh, what are, you know, social skills that that perhaps some of these kids are lacking. And I I think that's going to be a tremendous uh, uh, asset to all of our athletes that go through that. I think think we're going to probably Tech is the leader in doing that. I don't know that anyone else in the Big 12 is doing that type of thing. The Alumni Association just uh, helped support that with a $100,000 gift because we feel like it is so important that that these athletes you know how many of these kids that come on a scholarship in football let's say how many are going to play professional football it's something like point yeah point something percent it's it's not more than one or two percent yeah what are they going to get out of their college experience and and hopefully it'll be a degree and hopefully it will be they'll come out of it with social skills and life skills that will enable them to get into the workplace and make a living and 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 have a decent life and i, I think that's the, i think we're on the right track there as far as uh, as texas tech is concerned and i think everybody probably ultimately will end up doing this type of thing because athletics you know it's so driven by money every it's an arms race we build this and build that and uh sometimes you wonder have we really lost uh the purpose of of intercollegiate athletics to a certain extent and and that core of like we have to have people come out better than what they came in and for college or for athletics or we failed exactly and character integrity ethics has to be part of that because you are eventually going to fail in life we all know people who succeed in the short term because they take shortcuts but in the long term i've seen very few people die happy (laughs) you know or retire happy sure when they've been taking those shortcuts of ethics and integrity. In terms of, of, of the regular college student, how do, how do you foreground ethics and integrity in your classes and your teaching? Well, we talk about instances, uh, and uh, obviously there's some great examples almost uh, weekly that we can talk about. Uh, is, this, is this the ethical thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? If, I know I gave an assignment uh, to my uh, public relations class 
said, okay, you're, this is public relations. We had a controversial speaker invited to the campus, and uh, you're the alumni director. Right, how, and, you've, and I shared with them uh, an email that I'd gotten just livid that we'd invited this speaker. I said, all right, how would you respond? I want, I'm gonna, this is for a grade. I want you to write a response to this person and then, then we'll talk about it. You know, uh, what is the ethical approach that you should take here? Uh, you know, that, that's my approach. And by the way, I was really proud of our students at Texas Tech because I know which speaker you're, you're talking about, I believe. And there was opposition among students to this person being paid to come give a talk but nobody opposed her speaking. And then when she spoke, there was no demonstration. Nobody tried to shut her down, which is, of course, the saddest thing when I see nationally was when somebody says, I disagree with somebody, so not only should they never be invited to campus, because I, I, it, it would offend me if they spoke in a building, six buildings away from me, but I also am going to go there and shout and not let people hear them, which is just inconceivable at an educational institution. I've never heard of it happening at Tech. I don't think it has. No, it's, it gets back to what we were talking about earlier. This is the price we pay to live in a free society. We have to tolerate views that we don't agree with. And, and we don't have to, you know, it's like this uh, uh, situation in Plano the other day, or no, Garland. Yeah. You don't agree with it, so you shoot people. You worry what direction we're going. Absolutely. Well, I know as long as you're with us, Bill, and looking forward to working together for the next 50 years. Well, we'll, we'll try. We'll, we'll, we'll do another <laughs> interview then. Okay. Uh, you have meant so much to Tech in my short two years here. You've meant a lot to me and, and just, you know, you have the thanks of a grateful West Texas and Lubbock and Texas Tech. So thank you so much for everything you've done. Thank you. It's been, it's, uh, I couldn't do these things without other people. And it, it, it gets back to this uh, thing we talked about originally. I, I thank my Lord and Savior for good health, good friends, and good support, because, you know, you can't do these things without that.